Thanks for joining us. To keep up with the latest news and podcasts, visit www.propelchurchaz.com. Now get ready for a great message from Pastor G. So if you would, if you pull out your Bibles, pull out your outlines at this time, and sign up your phone at the same time so you're not a distraction to those around you, we're going to jump into this um, week two of a part two series entitled In the Water. And we looked at last week that when it comes to our lives spiritually, what kind of water are you consuming to fill your spiritual well within? And even as Pastor Sean just kind of talked about a little bit, and I mentioned this last week, when it comes to physical water, there are all kinds of different water choices that we have in our life. There's plain old tap water that I talked about. As we here in Arizona, I don't care for the tap water personally. I live in other states, and the tap water is much better in other states, but here in Arizona, that's what we have for tap water. It is what it is. But then we can also get filtered water, and many of us may have that in our homes, and our faucets. We may have bottled water that we enjoy. We may have flavored water that we enjoy. Again, we talked about Propel water being one of the favorites, and we gave that away last week. I hope that you enjoyed your bottle of Propel water last Sunday. But each of us have been created by God with a well or a void on the inside of us that only He can fill. No one else can take that rightful place. In fact, this spiritual well within us is only meant to fill, to hold, and contain Jesus and Jesus alone. Yet many times we try to fill this well with other things. Things of the world or things within our schedule or things within our time in place of Jesus. We fill it with many different things or we fill it with different relationships in hopes of that's going to bring satisfaction to our lives. And the truth of the matter is, even though some of those things may be good in our lives, they're not truly going to bring complete contentment and satisfaction within us. Only Jesus can have that rightful place to bring fulfillment within our lives because he's the living one. And for as long as humanity has been alive, man has tried all sorts of different things. We talked about that last week. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and listen to the message from last week that really sets up today's message. And the bottom line is, again, nothing compares to what Jesus does or brings. We can deceive ourselves. We can try to tell ourselves that I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that to try to fill this empty void within me. And that, oh, it feels good for the moment. And sometimes it does. But it doesn't last. And then we end up right where we started feeling empty again. And we're in that hunt. We're in that search for something to fill that emptiness. Only Jesus can fill that space and that void within us. And when it comes to physical water again, there can be contaminants in water if it's not purified. And those contaminants can affect our body physically, even causing us to get sick. In the same way, spiritually speaking, the water we consume or those things that we try to put in the place that is rightfully Jesus' place within us, those other things can cause us to spiritually get sick in our lives because they're contaminated. Only Jesus is the living, purified water that satisfies us. All those other things are just knockoffs. They're not the real thing. It's not the living water unless it's Jesus. Filling us alone. 
God need to fill our well, keep our well full of Christ. Because experiencing Him is where we will never thirst again for anything else. We will never run dry when we have Christ at the center of our lives, filling that well, because He is the living water. In John chapter 7, Jesus left Galilee to travel to Judea to attend the Festival of Tabernacles. And halfway through the festival, it says he began to teach about God and his word, and the truth of God's word. And the Pharisees heard about him doing this, and they saw him standing up and teaching in, in the crowds, and they wanted to arrest him. And at the end of the festival, this is what Jesus said to the crown, crowd in John 7, verses 37 to 39. It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And the first thing I want you to see out of this passage is this. Jesus' invitation for living water is available to everyone. Jesus wasn't exclusive in this invitation. He wasn't selective about a certain amount or a certain group of people. This invitation is for everyone. Jesus wants to pour in his living water to each and every one of us. He wants to pour in his living water to those outside of these walls this morning who are not living for God. Who don't know Jesus in that personal relationship. He wants to fill them. So his invitation says, come, if you're thirsty, if you want what I have to offer, come and take a drink. Every person who's willing and thirsty can drink the living water that Jesus has to offer. He makes himself available to each and every person to drink of that water. The second thing I want you to see is, it's our responsibility to drink the living water. It's no one else's responsibility for you to drink the living water of Jesus. No one is going to force you to take a drink of the living water that Christ has to offer us. God will not force you. That's why Jesus said, come to me if you're thirsty and I will fill you. People cannot force us. It has to be our own free will. It's our responsibility to keep our will full with Christ. Others can, can't taste the living water and then give it to you. I can't tell you about how great Capel water is, and you go, wow, that's awesome. You have to taste it for yourself in order to judge whether it's awesome or not. It's a personal thing. People can share their experience with you about Christ and what he's done for them, but you have to taste the living water for yourself. Again, it's our responsibility to stay full of Christ. Meaning we have to continually be filled with Him by spending time in His presence, which we talked about last Sunday. The third thing on this passage I want you to see is that faith in Jesus brings rivers of living water that flow. It's our faith in Christ that brings rivers of living water that flow from within. Jesus said that when we believe in Him, He deposits rivers of living water that will flow down on the inside of us. He paints that picture for us here in this passage. His water, or his presence of who he is, is activated by our faith in him. It's your faith that activates the rivers of living water. 
The moment that we accepted Jesus in our hearts and lives, the rivers of living water began to flow from within. Something was different. We felt it. We knew it. We didn't know all of what it was, but we just knew that God had just changed us. And he deposited something, his spirit within us, as Jesus mentioned, where now living water is flowing from within us. And when we let ourselves go empty as believers, and when we don't spend time in his presence, our water evaporates and doesn't flow. It becomes more like a pond instead of a powerful rapid rivers, multiple rivers that are flowing from within. That's why we must continually, and it's so crucial and important for us to keep the faith in Christ and in Christ alone. If we take our eyes off of Jesus, if we take our focus off of Christ, if we're not seeking Him, or if we're not spending time in His presence, we can have a tendency to put our faith in other things. And we put our faith in other people. And if we do that, the river will dry up on the inside. Because our faith was only meant to be in Christ. In God. Because He's the living water. Yes. That wants to fill us and refill us afresh and anew on a daily basis. And so again, our faith in God or our faith in Jesus activates and keeps the rivers of living water flowing within our lives. That the well is alive and well, overflowing within us. And the rivers of water that Jesus was talking about is this. It's the life of God that flows in us and through us. It's his life that is alive down on the inside of our well. Again, Jesus came to bring his life to the full. His living water is the life that we eat. It's the life of God that's alive and breathing down on the inside. His life flows on the inside of our soul. Our life becomes alive when his rivers are flowing within. And we know that because our life changes. Our perspective changes in life. When those rivers of living water have been deposited within us, we're able to have a hope for the first time in our life. We were able to have a peace within our lives for the first time. We were able to have a joy within our life. Why? Because the life of God was just now deposited in that wealth inside. And it was overflowing that now our thinking changed because our life has changed. But it doesn't even stop there. The living water of Jesus will flow through us. His water, the living water anoints what we put our hands to, what we do in life. His power helps us to accomplish what he's called us to because of the living water. It's water that we can't even just contain with inside of us. It's flowing through us. That's why we must live our lives understanding that Jesus is our source for everything we need. Everything we need. Not just some things, not just, okay, I have a relationship with you, but everything that we are desiring, every single thing that we need in life, He is the source. If we, in every other area of our life is, if we know what the source is, we're going to go to the source. If it's for power, we're going to go to the wall where our little outlets are, we're going to plug in a plug because that's the source of power in our life. If it's food that we're longing for, we're going to go find us a meal, we're going to go find us some food because we need to fill 
our physical bodies with the source that's going to give us energy. You see, whatever it is in life, we, we look for the source in things, but when it comes to our life spiritually, why do we try to fill our well with other things? We have to go to Jesus on a daily basis and say, Lord, fill me afresh and anew. Pour in your living water today, Lord. I need you. Yesterday's water is not good enough. Yes, we're not going to thirst again because he's the answer. What Jesus is saying is don't go searching for other things. Only come to me. Because I'm, I'm the answer as to what's going to satisfy you in your need. So come to me and I'm going to refill you. Make sure your well is full on an ongoing basis. Without Jesus, our life is meaningless. It's empty. That's what Ecclesiastes is all about. I encourage you to read it sometime. We are void of the fulfillment that only Jesus can bring. His presence of living water is the source of life that we're looking for in need. There's no other thing, there's no other person that can fulfill everything that Jesus can. And if our well is not full of Jesus, here's the deal, we can't accomplish the things that God has called us to in our life. We, we can't accomplish those things that He wants us to accomplish. Because we won't have the vision, we won't have the wisdom, we won't have the discernment. We need to live the life that He's called us to. That's why we must tap into the source that never runs dry. That's right. Because he has rivers of living water that must flow and flow. Notice Jesus didn't say, I just want to put a river of water in you. He said, rivers. Water that is unending. That's continual, that's flowing within us and without us. And when Jesus confronted the Samaritan woman at the well about her previous husband's and current living situation, she knew in that moment that Jesus was a prophet. And I want to kind of finish the last half of the story that we started last week in John chapter 4 with the Samaritan woman at the well. In fact, she says in chapter 4, verses 19 to 24, she says this. She says, Sir, speaking to Jesus, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in the truth. For they are, kind, they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. So it's an interesting conversation here, and I want to get to the bottom of what Jesus is really trying to communicate to her. Because she's a little confused, she, she really has a little lack of knowledge of what Jesus is really talking about, and what even she's trying to talk about herself. And really, Jesus corrected this woman and her lack of knowledge about who he is, and what worship is all about in the first place. I want you to see that our spiritual thirst should cause us to worship God. If you didn't know it, you're spiritually thirsty. You may not feel like you're spiritually thirsty, but we are spiritually thirsty. And Jesus is the source, that's why we have to continually go to Him. And I use the word here, it should cause us to worship God. I use the word should because we have the potential, again, to fill our spiritual thirst with other things rather than Jesus Himself. Our 
our spiritual thirst should cause us to worship God. But when we are spiritually thirsty, and when we need a refilling of Jesus, and when we need to spend time in His presence, this thirst should cause us to worship God, to spend time in His presence. Why? Because He wants to refill us. We should run to God and worship when we're spiritually thirsty. Just like when we're hot and thirsty physically because of the Arizona hot sun, we run to get a drink of water. Yesterday I was out in my yard doing some yard work, and it was pretty intense yesterday morning. It was pretty humid. And after a short while, I just became so thirsty that I had to go back inside. I had to take a break and go back inside because I was so hot. And I needed to refill my body once again. It's that same concept spiritually. When we're spiritually thirsty, we've got to run to Jesus so he can refill us. And here the Samaritan woman was concerned about where to worship. That was her concern once. Well, I've been taught or I've been told that we worship on this mountain. This is where worship happens to God. But you guys worship in Jerusalem, she says. And she was really trying to justify hers and her ancestors' worship and where they did it. Where they worship God. But I want you to see that Jesus wasn't concerned with the place of worship, but rather the nature of worship. She was focused on the place. And so many times we get caught up in those small details. Well, God, uh, this is where you did it before, so I'm going to go back to this. Or you spoke to me at this place, so I'm going to go back to that same place. Or, But rather, Jesus was saying something totally different. We don't worship God in this way in specific. Place. Rather, it's about the heart and how we worship God. Yes. Jesus was saying true worship is not about a mountain or it's not about a specific location, but rather true worship can happen anywhere, is what Jesus was saying. This woman didn't really have any, any knowledge of what true worship was. She was only going off of what her ancestors had told her and taught her and what they had done as far as a culture and a group of people and how they worshiped God. And Jesus was teaching and telling her that worship is all about the relationship with God. That God wasn't interested in worship being done out of a routine or out of religious tradition. God's not interested in that type of worship. But God was changing the rules here and how we worship. That's why Jesus said, now has come a time where people must worship in spirit and in truth. Because the Father has sent his son Jesus as the Savior of the world. Is what Jesus is trying to communicate. And so what he was saying to this woman is this. True worship connects with God through his spirit because of the truth or divine reality of who Jesus is. That's what he was saying when the Father seeking worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. True worship happens when we worship God in spirit because God is spirit. He is everywhere because he's spirit. He's not just in one place physically. He's not just on a specific mountain. He's not just in a specific temple today across the world somewhere or in some specific church building or even a school like this. He's in no specific place. He's everywhere. When we worship God with all of our hearts, we are worshiping Him with our spirits. And it's our spirit that then that connects with God. So Jesus is saying you need to have the right heart and focus on worship. It's not about a place. It's about your heart and where you do it. And worshiping Him. At the same time, we worship God because of the truth of who He is. 
We worship God through His Son, Jesus, because of the, of the divine reality that Jesus is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. Yes. He is God Himself. And when we understand who Jesus is, then we can truly worship Him for who He truly is. And this is what our Heavenly Father is looking for in worshipers. And so when we worship God in spirit and in truth, we are worshiping Him, God Almighty, in the fullness of worship, in spirit and in truth. Our hearts are connecting with God. It's not about a specific place. But we are connecting and worshiping God based on the truth of His Word, based on the truth of who He is, who Christ is as the Son of God, that He came to pay the penalty for our sins, so that we can be forgiven, and so now we have salvation. So we're going to worship God based on that truth, that He is God. Jesus was connecting the facts here in this passage, in this encounter with the woman at the well, that he is the living water that will never run dry. Yeah. And through him we worship God, and in return he satisfies all of our needs. That's why he brought worship into this. See, you worship is so closely related to our spiritual thirst. And him wanting to refill us. We can't be necessarily refilled without spending time in His presence. Because He wants us to encounter Him just like the woman encountered Him at the well. And through our spirits, through our hearts worshiping God, He can do that in the same way. So that our lives are changed and encouraged. You see, worship replenishes or quenches our spiritual thirst. When we're spiritually thirsty, if we go to God and worship, our spirit and lives are replenished. Our thirst is quenched because of God's presence alive on the inside. Because of the living water that is refilled and flowing within our lives. That's why we have to live our lives as true worshipers of Almighty God. We're called to be worshipers that the Father seeks. That's why we must worship Jesus in our private time with Him. Whether it's in your, your bedroom or your or your closet or your car or wherever you are, you can worship the Lord right where you're at. That's why it's so important that we come together corporately on Sundays to worship Him together as a body of believers because He's worthy of all worship and praise. And He wants to refill us, whether personally in our personal time with Him or in our corporate time of worship together as a church. God wants to refill us over and over make us a fresh and new within our hearts and lives. Further down the story, the disciples come back to find Jesus talking with this woman. Again, they had gone out looking for food because Jesus was hungry, they were hungry, they were tired from this journey. And so it says here in verses 27 through 30 that just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? And so then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And so we see here, the disciples come back puzzled as to why Jesus was talking with this woman in the middle of the day. He should have been talking with her again. That went against their cultural laws and what was normal. But none of them dared ask why he was talking with her. We see John say. So we see this woman then left her water jar, but I want you to notice that 
It wasn't an accident. She didn't actually forget her water jar, water jar there at the well and run off. It was on purpose. In fact, I want you to see that the Samaritan woman momentarily, momentarily left her encounter with Jesus because she planned to return with others. She was planning to come back with other people. So she left her water jar there. Her life had just been rocked with an encounter with the living God at this well. And this encounter should have never taken place, according to the culture. But she was changed in this moment. She was not going back to her old lifestyle. And her heart had changed. Her perspective was now different. And so she wanted all the rest of the townspeople to meet Jesus for themselves. And to experience Jesus in the same type of encounter that she had. And so that's why tasting or experiencing what Jesus has to offer causes us to reach others. When we tasted the living water for the first time, we wanted others to know what just happened. We told our family, we told our friends, we told anybody that would be willing to listen to us in this new encounter with God, in this new encounter in a relationship with Jesus, because something was different on the inside of us. The living water was deposited into our well, overflowing. Rivers were at alive and well within us. And we couldn't contain the excitement and the joy that we felt in this brand new relationship with Christ. And when we continually are spending time in God's presence, when we are continually being refilled with the living water that Jesus has to offer us, we should want and desire for others to know. It should cause us to reach out to others to share Jesus with them. That taste of the living water should inspire you, should spur you on, should encourage you to share what God has done on the inside of you. And I want to close up the story here and how it, how it finishes here in verses 39-42. It says in these verses, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, she said. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Interesting. Powerful. And so because of her experience and encounter with Jesus and her openness and willingness to share it with others, many Samaritans came to know and experience Jesus that day. Think about what would, have, what would have happened if she just would have taken her water jar, went back to her home, and never said another word. All those other Samaritans may not have come to believe in Christ as the Savior of the world. Wow. So I want you to understand this morning that your testimony of what Jesus did for you opens up hearts and lives to Christ. Your testimony even of how he refills you and replenishes your life. And he gives you the strength and the power to continue in life. Even amongst the trials and tribulations that you have. That is a testimony that others need to hear and taste for themselves. Of who Christ is. There is power in your testimony. No matter how great or how small you think it may be. That's right. 
The power of a changed heart and life cannot be measured in human thinking. That's why God wants to use your testimony to reach others. Don't underestimate the power of testimony and how it can open up hearts and lives to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You just share what you've tasted and what you've seen and what you've experienced. Allow the Holy Spirit to work on that person's heart. Just like he was at work in the other Samaritan townspeople. And all the woman had to do was come back and say, see, this man told me everything that I ever did in my life. You need to come see for yourselves this Jesus. You need to come experience him and taste because he's the living water. And those townspeople had to know what her lifestyle had been like. They knew that she had been married five times prior because she lived in that community. And they knew that she was living with the current guy that she was living with and not married to him, as Jesus rightfully called out. They knew that something was different. And if Jesus could change her and her situation, what can he do for them? Don't underestimate the power of your testimony. God will use you to reach others for Christ, just like he used the Samaritan woman to bring others to Jesus. That's why we have to share our testimony with others. We have to let others know what Jesus has done for us because he wants to do the same for them. You see, the living water can't be contained because the living water of Jesus has the power to flow and change lives. His living water is all-powerful. Just like physical water can refresh and replenish, it has a lot of power to it. Water in a bottle doesn't have that much power, but when there are rivers of living water, when there are rivers of water physically, there's power behind that river. There's power. Even in the ocean water. Just a few weeks ago, my family and I went to California so we could go to the beach and spend a few, you know, a few days in California. And I, I always enjoy sitting on the beach watching the waves roll in. It's kind of calming, it kind of has that that soothing effect on us at times, and I'm just sitting there watching the waves, and I'm sitting there watching my, my boys who are out in the water, and they're playing in the waves, and jumping up on the waves, and they're going out, you know, a little bit further and further to a certain point, and I, I was reminded again that as I watched them go up and down for a period of time, after just a couple minutes, I noticed that, again, they began to shift, just a little bit of distance further over, and then a couple minutes later, they're a little bit further over this way. And a couple minutes more went by, and they kept shifting further along the way. They had to come back and readjust. Why were they doing that? Why were they, why were they being moved by the water? Why? Because the, the water has power behind it. There's power in the water that has current and waves in it. And so when it comes to the living water of Jesus, the water that flows from him has the power to flow in and through us and to change lives around us. Amen, amen. The living water shouldn't stay just on the inside of us, but God wants to let it flow through you to change the world around you so that others may taste and see and experience the living water down the inside of you, but then they want and desire. Why? Because Jesus' invitation again is come. Whoever's thirsty, whoever wants to taste this, I'm going to fill it. I'm going to deposit in them rivers of living water. 
And the Samaritan woman experienced it firsthand when she went back to the town to tell others. Water, that living water was flowing out of her. She couldn't contain it. You see, church, we must continually pursue Jesus. We must continually pursue the living water so that we are constantly refreshed, replenished, and quenched within our well. But we, we must allow the living water to flow through us so that others are drawn to Christ. That others taste and see what's in us so that they desire the same thing that we have. And so this is my challenge in closing, is that don't let your well go dry Pursue Jesus daily. Let him refill your well or tank. And we do this by spending time in his presence through worship. Don't forget to spend time with him on a regular daily basis. We do this consistently by attending church, by worshiping together, being re refilled personally and corporately in this type of setting. Stay plugged into what God is doing here. And the second part of this challenge is this. Don't miss, on, don't miss out on opportunities to share your testimony with others. Don't miss out on sharing what God has done in you. Because God wants to use that. Your experience of who Jesus is. The truth of who Jesus is. To draw others into that relationship. And living water experience for themselves. We've got to pursue Christ for ourselves. We've got to allow Jesus to flow in and through us, in our hearts and lives. That's what he's calling us to.